The wisdom in children is that they don't overcomplicate it. We overcomplicate everything. From the moment we wake up until the moment we go to bed, we overthink, we overstress, we overworry, but you rarely find people overloving, overcaring, overjoyous. And kids are the opposite. They're not overworried, they're not stressing. I think that's something that we can learn from. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Wow Level Life podcast. I am Harris III, your host, and I am so excited about this podcast. The feedback has been strong. I've already been interacting with multiple people. Um, I've got emails in my inbox from people saying they love this format that we're experimenting with. Uh, I just got done responding to a message over on LinkedIn from someone who was very excited about last week's episode with Brad Montague. This is episode three. And we're off to a strong start, but things are going to get even better because this week I am joined by a special co-host who is not only going to be a part of this episode, but many episodes throughout this Wow Level Life journey. And I'm excited that she has agreed to join me for this one. Ladies and gentlemen, my wife, Kate. Hello, hello. (laughs) Because I refer to her regular babe. I am so excited to have you on this podcast. And this is actually something we've been dreaming about for a long time. I was just going to say, I feel like this is a long time in the making. We have talked about doing a podcast together and having these kind of conversations and it is finally time. I'm very excited. Finally time, finally time. And who knows what role you will end up working into in this podcast for now. (laughs) What I wanted to do is at the very least, for you and I to have an opportunity to sit down and unpack some of these conversations further. I know we talked about this on the first couple episodes for all folks listening in. But, you know, oftentimes, I don't know about you, but some of the podcasts I listen to, you have this amazing guest on. You're like, oh my gosh, that was so good. Or there's not a guest at all. You just have this leader that you respect and you like learning from them and listening to their thoughts on a certain subject. And You listen to a single episode. By the end of that episode, you are immersed in that subject matter and you're thinking about it. And then the next thing you know, you're just, you're on to the next episode of the same podcast or a different podcast, or you're back to your Instagram scroll, or you're back scrolling through the home feed on LinkedIn. For whatever reason, you're on to just consuming more content. And sometimes those conversations need to be revisited. And we wanted to jump into subjects and just let those conversations linger for a few weeks at a time. And so that's why I'm excited that Kate is joining me so that we can let the conversation that we started a couple of weeks ago around the wisdom of a child and the wisdom that a child's perspective can have for us as adults to just linger for a few weeks. Yeah, I keep thinking about uh, back when we were listening to Serial and the whole idea. Oh gosh, of that was breaking, so long ago. <laughs> no, but breaking, it's that same concept of we're taking one singular idea or one singular story and we're breaking it down over the course of multiple episodes. Yeah. And I think that was really the heart of this is, hey, let's go deeper. Let's, let's understand the stories and the nuances just a little bit better. So I am super excited about the way that this is formatted. Yeah. Well, let's jump in. Last week, uh, well, actually, I should just say first week, we looked at the life of Anne Frank. And it's an incredible story of a young lady who obviously most of us by now have read her diary or we were required to read it in school. Did you have to read it in school? It was required. Uh, We did have to read it in school. Uh, There were, I mean, obviously several things that we had to read in school. But yes, Anne Frank is one of them. 
Yeah. And just so incredible if you think about the content of her diary, just her perspective on the world. And there was so much wisdom, wisdom after wisdom, after wisdom, page after page after page. And yet the entire world is falling apart around her. And so many of us, we don't tap into the wisdom of our childhood. And I think we're still bringing, like we still have that in us. It's there as an option, as a bucket for us to dip into. And we just don't for whatever reason, because we have tried to grow up. Yes. Tried to grow up, tried to be real. We talk about trying to be realistic, trying to be logical. uh, And all of those things just, though they are important, they are not the be all and end all. So I'm excited. Yeah. And that's why we talk to people like Brad Montague. And so last week sat down for a conversation with him. I want to unpack that with you further because when you think about the wisdom of a child and even Anne Frank, we need people like Brad who are helping us understand not just how do we get back to that, but how do we go learn from kids? How do we listen to kids? And so I know you listened in on that conversation. Um, What are some things that stood out to you as a way to kickstart our conversation (laughs) together today? First of all, I like... Can I just say that I love Brad and Christy? I love, I love Brad. I love, (laughs) I mean, yeah, you cannot enter a space that Brad Montague is in and not be like, I want a world (laughs) where everything is possible. (laughs) He just breathes that. And, and he, he's just been magic getting to know him over the last Gosh, it's probably been close to 10 years, but really intimately over the last seven years. And he he's just the impact that he is having. Um, one of the things that he talked about was being lost in dreams and that it's healthy and normal. And when you think about that conceptually, being lost in your dreams or being caught up in your daydreams, uh, what are those things? What what are the things that we, they pop up for us as adults, maybe while you're driving in the car, you're in the shower, and you have this thing that you are dreaming about and logic comes into play. And like slaps it down just a little bit. And he was talking about, you know, spending more time staring at the sky, listening to the frogs, creating magic. And and I just, I don't know, there's something about what we have created, even in our own home, to keep the magic alive, to keep that childlike sense of wonder alive. I know, you know, we joke around, uh, our five-year-old is obsessed with unicorns and mermaids. And <laughs> he asks us regularly, are they real? Mm-hmm. And we respond with, I don't know. We've never seen them. Yeah, we've never seen one. But just And it allows that one. magic. Yeah, it allows yeah. that magic to stay alive where you go, well, I don't know. They they could be. We've never we've never actually seen them. Have you ever seen one? Well, no. Well, if you've never seen it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Because I've also never seen some things that scientists have seen, but that doesn't mean that they don't exist. So that sense of wonder, I think Brad is really good about harnessing that framework, that, well, mm. I don't know, it, it, it could be true. It, yeah. Who says to say that it's not? Yeah. I hesitate to bring this quote up because if you're listening in, you, at this stage in the podcast, it's so new that most of the people listening and have probably heard me speak somewhere or read my book. And you know, this is one of my favorite quotes, but Roald Dahl, Brad Montague embodies so much of 
the creative spirit that I think yes. Dahl had in the projects that he created. But a million percent. <laughs> he famously said that those who don't believe in magic will never find it. And it, it really means sometimes we have to believe that that magic exists in order for us to be able to see it. And when we were little kids, we didn't have to see something in order to believe in it. And I think that's the spirit of wonder that we're trying to foster in our home with our children. Um, I think that's the kind of wonder that Brad is trying to foster in the world. And ironically, we don't have to teach kids how to do that. No. We need them to teach us how to start doing that again. Um, yeah. Because if wonder is our natural state and we come into the world wide awake to wonder and believing before we have the ability to see, it's it's more about a return to. And so how do yeah. we return to? What else about Brad's conversation stood out to you? He said a phrase, there is no certainty, only adventure. Mm. Uh, and I love that phrase. I love the way that he he framed all of it. It's just, we can choose to try to control everything. I, I, I feel like I can say this here. This is not a safe space, but I feel like I can say this here. I am a control freak. I love to just, this is how it's going to be. And I'm going to make sure that this happens. And then I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to do this. And I want to have all of the, I want all of the reins. And She's not lying folks. For those listening <laughs> it's a real thing. It is a real thing. It is the, it is the firstborn in, in me, the firstborn Scandinavian in me. Uh, I, I want control, but that's the idea of certainty. And we talk, we joke around in our family that control is an illusion. I want something because I want to feel something so that I can potentially predict or control its outcome. When I'm really not totally capable of doing that, that is outside of, of possibility where our kids are not looking for that same level of control. They want they want to feel secure, mm -hmm. but they don't want to feel control. And when we think of what is outside of control, it is adventure. It's this, anything is possible. You can go anywhere, be anywhere, do anything. Uh, mm -hmm. And the whole magic of getting there is really where the adventure lies. And I've had to learn that over over many years. But in the last 10 years since having kids, it's that letting go. I cannot control how a baby is going to feel. I am not capable of controlling, you know, what, what anyone wants to do, but I can invite my kids into an adventure and I can invite them into an adventure of themselves, an adventure of the world around them, the adventure of possibility. And I desperately want that. And I think you and I you and I both try to instill that in our kids. And again, you know, Brad, Brad is just really good about, uh, the other thing he was talking about was just the characteristics of someone who lives their life through the lens of wonder. They're open and generous towards possibility. Yeah. They notice things that go unnoticed. They see things in a playful but profound way. All of those things are part of the adventure. What's the exact line he said again? There is no certainty, only adventure. There is no certainty, only adventure. Yeah, it's interesting. When you said that, you talked about how you have a desire to, I don't know if safe is the word that you used a moment ago. But secure. You have a desire, secure. You have a desire to be safe and secure. And it's interesting that when a child feels that sense of safety and security, they are comfortable in the ambiguity, in the uncertainty, in the mystery 100%. of the unknown. And so really... 
it makes me begin to wonder and process about how we as adults, when we are navigating ambiguity and uncertainty, and who isn't in yes. 2024, the change of pace has been accelerated. Uh, it's changing at an unprecedented rate and speed. And so we're all, in a sense, navigating some sort of uncertainty and ambiguity in our lives, in our work. And part of the reason that we are so uncomfortable in that uncertainty and mystery is an obsession with our safety and security. And so maybe a practical, tangible way of growing through the ideas being discussed over these last couple of weeks is just to pause and sometimes recognize how secure and safe we indeed are in that moment. Um, you know, we often yeah. talk about in the Wonder Switch, I talked about the difference between rational fear and irrational fear. Uh, because a lot of you hear the word fearless thrown out. I was at an event this weekend, someone threw it out. It's like <laughs> my word for the year is fearless. And I certainly appreciate the sentiment behind that and the courage that they feel drawn to want to put on display in their life and to choose regularly. But if you really think about the idea of being fearless, it doesn't honor the healthy role that our fear can sometimes play. Like fear is what keeps me from stepping in front of a bus while crossing a street in New York City or those yellow ones. As Elf said, <laughs> watch out for the ones they might. <laughs> but then there's this irrational fear that is trying to keep us safe. But in reality, we're not unsafe in that moment. It's just trying to keep us from taking a risk that, despite the fact that there might be risk associated with it, is a part of our growth. And I think that's where the adventure lies. And so, how do we, is it as simple as just simply pausing and going, hey, thanks? fear for trying to keep me safe. Um, I appreciate that, but I am safe and secure right now, which means I can feel comfortable leaning into the mystery, leaning into the uncertainty, and just recognizing, cool, this is an adventure. I'm on an adventure right now. Yeah, I think about those things, and where the breakdown happens for me is when I'm tired. It's when I feel run down. And so I, there's this common sense rational, like you were saying, this rational fear or, uh, you know, creating parameters, but the breakdown comes when I'm overwhelmed or I'm tired or gosh, I feel like I'm just bumping into wall after wall after wall. Mm -hmm. And as I do that, I become less and less resilient. Uh, and it's conversation again, that we are having regularly in our home is resilience. <laughs> and how do we tap into that? Emo teaching our five-year-old emotional resilience. Oh, what has Milo been saying lately? I'm learning to be emotionally resilient. <laughs> <laughs> Which just sounds hilarious coming out of the mouth of a five-year-old. <laughs> she can't say resilient. So it sounds like something completely different, but she's, she's also going, I think I'm supposed to not cry as much as I do. <laughs> But it's that exhaustion. Anyone who has kids knows that by the time your kids get to bed, if they cross over that threshold where they are having so much fun, so much fun, and then the tired kicks in, nothing can stop the breakdown of just that spiral. You spiral out into fear. You spiral out into severe anxiety and all of the stresses. Suddenly, you know, the fact that you can't find one sock feels like the world is literally ending. <laughs> and, and we deal with those things. And, and it's easy to see them in kids, but, you know, just... <sighs> Brad said wild joy. Finding wild joy. 
and understanding where those thresholds are so that we can maintain the wild joy in order to not hit those exhaustion walls so that we break down the innate childlike wonder and sense of possibility and potential and all of those things. That's really where it happens. So how do we, it's not even a well thought out thought at this point, but just how do we not experience the exhaustion and cross those thresholds as adults? How do we not imprint those things on our own kids um, and teach them the emotional resilience that sometimes we may not even possess? So good. All right. I want to get this into a place that's super practical. So for those who are truly walking this journey with us, they're three weeks in, in this third weekly episode, I just want to give them like rapid fire, some ideas, thoughts, practical, tactical things that they can do to both tap back into their inner child's wisdom and to also, (laughs) uh, you know, I love the idea that Brad always talks about, like be who you needed when you were younger uh, to others. It's an incredibly generous way to live, but also like, let's go spend time with people who are younger than us and learn wisdom from them. And like, I I know this, this should go without saying, I hope it goes without saying what I'm not saying is like, don't go talk to our elders. Like don't go leverage wisdom. It's all about the wisdom of a child. No, of course, like, of course there's so much wisdom in people who have been there, done that, done the growth, done the integration. Wisdom is often the byproduct of our lived experiences. It's our, the collection of failures and the lessons that they have taught us. Right. And also, there's wisdom in the child's perspective. And so let's look at both sides of the age spectrum. Yeah. Because the wisdom in children is that they don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. We overcomplicate everything from the moment we wake up until the moment we go to bed. We overthink, we overstress, we over anxiety, we over worry. But you, you rarely find people over loving over caring, over being joyful, you know, over, over joyous. Um, Those things are so much harder and kids are the opposite. They're not over worried. They're not stressing. They are fulfilling all of those delightful things. And I think that's something that we can learn from is take a breath. I tell clients this a lot. Stop and take a breath. Give yourself five seconds just stop and five seconds. And in those five seconds, there is a reset that happens because mm-hmm. you stop doing the thing that was getting you all wrinkled up. So what kind of things are we looking for practically other yeah. than take a breath? <laughs> yes, totally. Take a breath. That would be thing number one. I would say start to get more curious, develop a beginner's mindset, look at things the way that you might've seen them when you were a kid. You know, I often talk about how curiosity is wonder in action. Um, As adults, we all think we're walking around really curious, but it's actually not. It's like a faux sense of curiosity. We just want the answers to things so that we understand how everything works or we know how the story is going to end or how the day is going to pan out. Genuine curiosity in studies as a neural cocktail uh, that's happening inside your brain that's associated with high creative output, high innovative acts. And that those chemicals only exist in our brain during the times that we are open to what we might discover. It's not the type of curiosity where we just want the answer to a question to relieve the tension. And so when I think about, you know, a childlike sense of curiosity, it's going back and asking questions for the sake of, 
you know, not answer finding or certainty, but exploration, truly that beginner's mindset. And it doesn't take more than being around a few kids to know they ask a gazillion questions all day, every day. And it's shocking when you look at the stats on how many questions a kid asks per day versus how many questions adults ask per day. And so ask lots of questions, get curious again for the sake of exploration and growth, not for the sake of just getting answers. Yeah. I caught myself last night. Uh, Our middle daughter was asking a lot of questions about a football game and it was everything from what is this play called? How many points is this? What's on his arm? What are they wearing on their knees? Why do they have that helmet like that? Why are they wearing those things in their mouths? And at some point I got irritated and I was like, I just want to watch the game. Stop asking so many questions. (laughs) And maybe five minutes later, I mean, this is that parental slap. I'm really sorry I was asking so many questions, mom. And I was like, oh, but how will you learn if I don't answer them? I mean, and and sometimes I have to go, I don't know the answers. I really don't. But we can look it up. Or, hey, why don't we be curious and get on Google and let's ask, what is that tape that's carrying on their arms? Or instead of letting Google take the quest out of the question, as my friend Mark (laughs) says, we turn it into play, which was actually another thing I wanted to mention, like how do we cultivate playfulness? And so sometimes even if we know the answer, it's fun with a kid to be like, oh, I'm not sure. Like, what's that tape on his arm? I'm not sure. What do you think it might be for? And all you're doing is you're allowing the curiosity of that kid to continue to explore And then by way of letting their wisdom run wild, their childlike wisdom, we end up learning some things going, oh my gosh, like I actually know that's not actually what the tape on his arm is for, but like what if you could use tape for it? Who knows what type of cool idea that might lead us to? And so I think we just have to cultivate this sense of playfulness. You and I both have folks inside the poetics who are focused on the role of play. I think of my friend Kyle Epp up in Canada, who's trying to transform school systems across the entire country uh, up in Canada by centering education back around play again. I think we've lost the art of play in a lot of our homes. Uh, We've forgotten what it looks like to sit around and make art and things with our hands or to play an old-fashioned card game or board game. And there's no, I'm not the anti-video game guy. I love video games. My son and I play video games all the time. Uh, but we've got to, we have to cultivate playfulness in our homes and try to find a way to rediscover that. And so whether you have kids or not, go find some kids and play with them. Go play or go go bowling. Go do something with some friends. Go get yeah. out of, go axe throwing or go to a rage room. I want to go to a rage room. <laughs> Um, we're big fans of escape rooms here in Nashville. Like yeah. it just requires this level of outside the box thinking and playfulness mm-hmm. to do something that when you get to the end of it, you're like, I might've written a thousand proposals today, but that was the coolest thing I did. And it yes. had the most meaning. And now I want to go do so many other things. Yes to play. And yes to, to more of that. Also as a writer, I tell a lot of people to just write. When you wake up in the morning, uh, Julia Cameron from The Artist, she wrote The Artist's Way, uh, she had a great practice of morning pages. I know a lot of people who leverage the practice to, um, and if you're not familiar with it, it is the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is you have a piece of paper, and you and it's paper specific. It is not on your computer. It is paper. You take 
every thought that you're thinking from, I really need to get the garbage out. Uh, oh, I got to remember to pick up the broccoli. I got to put that in the oven. Oh my gosh, I hate the way that my hair is smelling right now. You write down everything to get the mess out. Mm. And when you get the mess out, it makes space for the creativity that cannot coexist with it. Because we get so caught up in all of these tiny little things that really at the end of the day, they don't matter. They are not the be all and end all. And we make space for the things that help us actually do those things better. Mm -hmm. I have watched clients go, this is the dumbest practice. Like, why am I writing down (laughs) that I cannot find my shoes in the morning or that I'm really not looking forward to the thing? And you know, 10 days in, 20 days in, they're going, oh my gosh, this feels so ridiculous. But the practice of ridiculousness has helped me get better at things that I didn't realize I would get better at. Yeah, so good. And like all those complications, they exist in adulthood. When we were kids, and just look at the way that kids color a photo, right? Or a picture when they make a picture with like markers or something, you put a blank piece of paper in front of them and you dump some stuff on the table and just say, create something. You do that in a room full of adults. They're like, well, what am I supposed to create? And what are the rules? And how much time do I have? And and it's just all, everything in our power to do everything except for create. And finally, when we do start creating, we want to do it the right way. And to a little kid, there is no right way because they haven't been taught all the wrong ways yet by the world around them. And so I think a lot of this just has to do with play, get back into that childhood mindset, whether it's through morning pages or some sort of creative practice, we have to learn to trust the inner child and the wisdom that it has to offer us. Uh, Which takes me to another thing, which is just, you know, whether it's journaling about just revisiting some childhood memories and finding a fresh perspective on that, or allowing a younger version of you to give you advice and wisdom on what you would do today. There's people listening to us right now who have a decision to make about what to do. And it could be something huge like, do I take that new job? Do I quit my current job that I hate? Do I move to that new city? To little small things like, what should I have for dinner tonight? And just pausing and asking, what would five-year-old me say right now? If I could call up my seven-year-old self and get their advice and wisdom on this decision, what would they say? Um, And all of a sudden, everything changes, right? Now it's like, oh gosh, the seven-year-old me would say, order the mac and cheese. (laughs) Yeah, how many people are like, oh man, seven-year-old me would be real proud right now that I got, I made pancakes for dinner. Or I had macaroni and cheese for breakfast. Yes. You feel proud about things, but why not? You're limiting your joy because you won't make the dang pancakes for dinner. Just (laughs) just let yourself eat the pancakes. (laughs) Yeah, I, I posted about this on LinkedIn a while back. Uh, I had heard a song called Daydream by Lily Miola, and I'm pretty sure she was America's Got Talent, so a lot of people probably heard this song. But she starts out, the the first words of her song are, when we were kids in the backyard, being astronauts and rock stars, no one told us to stop it and called us unrealistic. And then suddenly you're 18, go to college for your plan B, and I don't remember how it goes, but no one told us darling, don't quit your daydream. It's your life that you're making. Mm. And it's such a powerful statement. And I think it applies to, you know, some of the stuff that Brad was talking about. Don't quit the daydream because this is your life. 
And we have set that part aside for the sake of structure and control and stress instead of just choosing to live it and choosing to create it in a way that we get excited and and work isn't the plan B. You know, coming home and watching TV is not plan B. We we choose plan A first. And and it's easy to go, well, you got to be realistic and you got to be all of these things. Yes, and. Yes, and. You can still, I think Brad, Brad is a great example of this. You can choose a life of wonder and joy and creating and instilling that in other people and make a living doing it. Mm-hmm. And find joy and find light in your own community and in your own home and among your own kids and your own friendships and your spouses or partners. That is a real thing. And Brad is living that, which is why I love him so much. I love him and Christy and I love the culture that they create, not just through Montague workshops, but because they create it for themselves Mm-hmm. And it's magnetic. I'm drawn into it constantly because I go, I want that. I want to create a little thing that has sewing and crafting materials that sits outside of the library <laughs> that people can come and exchange and use. That is yes. so simple. But you, yes. that is the act of inviting other people into something that is just it gets them outside of the box. It gets them outside of themselves. And you're investing in that. I can get real passionate about that, but it's it's genuinely what I love and why this conversation, uh, when we talked about who are we going to have in the podcast, it was Brad Montague, hands yeah. down, first episode. Yeah. You that said good. a word there that's key that doesn't come up often in conversations about wonder. And it was the word simple. I think a lot of what we're talking about right now, you know, when we're having a conversation around the wisdom of children, you mm. think about the word wisdom and how we often view it with age, right? Um, <laughs> experience, like wisdom comes with age. I think wisdom is also oftentimes intuition. And children are very much guided by their instincts because they haven't, quote unquote, learned or been educated yet. They haven't aged. And so there's something about learning to lean into your intuition or gut mm-hmm. feelings about people and about situations um, and that simplifies your life. Sometimes we're just overcomplicating it and we just need to return back to the days when things were simpler. And oftentimes <laughs> that's the wisdom of childhood. The days of yore. It's, it is <laughs> simplicity. How many times have we talked to clients and they're just like, well, I have this idea and I have this and this and this, but I just don't know. And I, and they have, they have worked themselves up so much that they can't even, they can't even do the thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas our kids see this and a pen and they go, I'm about to make a flip book. Watch this. <laughs> like yes. they don't, it is instantaneous. They don't overthink it. They don't go, mm, will anyone read this? Yes. Will anyone look at this? Will anyone think that this is good? They're like, no, I'm going to watch this. Watch this. I'm going to make this stick. I do a whole bunch of moves. And when you flip the pages, it's going to look awesome. Yes. If we approach things with that same mentality of not worrying about what someone is going to think, what someone is going to say, what someone is going, is the work perfect enough? 
If we can do those things, think about how much more we can do, how much less stressed out we will be, and how much more we'll actually just enjoy our life. Yeah. You and I joke around about my Enneagram 8-ness. I don't care about what people think. And and there there is, I do and I don't in certain scenarios. But one of the things that I feel like we have gotten really good at is you and I, you as the wonder person, a magician, as as the person who just sees magic everywhere and creates magic everywhere, and you're so good at that, I have learned to step into letting go and releasing all of those things that might anchor us down and we create those spaces in our kids. Hey, we go to Target, you want to buy this thing and we're going to paint today? Cool. It's a Tuesday night. Great. Let's paint. Hey, you want to have a podcast studio in your room? Cool. Let's do that. Saying yes Go, someone go watch Yes Yesterday or the thing with Jim Carrey when he says yes. Have you ever seen, you got, I got to say yes. Have you ever had a Red Bull? I have a Red Bull. Those kind of things where we push ourselves outside of our, ourselves. More of that. Well, if for those listening in, you now understand why I wanted Kate uh, to be a co-host <laughs> throughout this podcast journey. And there's so much we could say on this topic, but we're just getting started. This is just episode three. And so I know this conversation will to be continued. And as much as I am tempted for this episode to be the end all exhaustive resource on all things childlike wonder, uh, the reality is that's what this podcast is all about. This is going to be plenty plenty and abundance of more opportunities for us to, to revisit this conversation because I have a feeling the idea of tapping into the wisdom of a child and the wisdom of our children, the wisdom of each of our inner child that's inside of us all, that's something that we're going to constantly come back to. As Socrates says, wisdom begins in wonder and wonder is often more present in childhood than anywhere else. And so while wisdom is absolutely a byproduct of our lived experiences and integrated lessons, and it certainly comes with age, sometimes we have it at five and we lose it by the time we're 15. And so it's oftentimes a return to the work of subtraction, of clearing all the things that are getting in the way for us to be able to get back to it versus adding a bunch of things that we don't have that will give us wonder. We already have enough and it's that little inner child that's inside of all of us. So thanks for being willing to participate on this and saying yes to the crazy idea yeah. of being on a podcast. I know we haven't even gotten much into our own personal stories of being <laughs> married for 20 years and traveling to over 30 countries together around the world and working together and being business partners together for over a decade. Like there's a lot to unpack. There's a oh, lot to unpack. Yeah. And I'm grateful that you're along for the journey and yeah. I can't wait for it can to I, continue to unfold. Can I just... Can I just say one more thing to anyone listening to the podcast? I would issue a challenge that you don't listen to this podcast like you listen to every other podcast. Not just to consume this or check it off of a list or listen to it while you're vacuuming. I encourage all of those things. However, because of the way that we have intentionally tried to structure this to give you practical tips and tricks and insights we are digging deep, and I would encourage all of you to do the same. This is more than just words. This is more than just thoughts from a couple of people. We are deeply passionate about helping not just you find something, 
but for when you find that thing, that it grows and has impact exponentially. This is about change making and story making. And I am so excited that I got to be invited into this space. I don't take it lightly and I'm thrilled to have a chance to get in here and get in the weeds, as we say, with each person listening as well as with you, babe. I'm very excited. I am pumped about it. I am pumped about it. All right. So to be continued, to be continued, fun stuff headed your way. But you guys, you have plenty to work on and activate. Choose just one of the ideas that you've heard in today's conversation about ways for you to make wonder tangible. Look, one of my greatest passions is, you know, when people begin to realize that wonder isn't just this momentary fleeting feeling that we feel during these little mountaintop experiences throughout our life, but you can truly choose wonder over worry. You can solidify wonder as a lifestyle, as a way of being in the world, that the wow level life is not reserved for the uber rich or successful. Uh, Oftentimes, some people are so poor, all they have is money, as we sometimes say. And so this isn't about a ladder of success and going, oh, finally achieved the mountaintop that is considered the wow level life. The wow level life is available to us all. And so take what you've heard on this episode, choose one thing that you can integrate into your life this week. And then next week, we will kickstart another three-part series on a brand new subject. I'm so excited to tell you more about what is to come. And so we'll kickstart that process in our curiosity episode next week. For now, thanks to Kate for joining us. Thanks to you for listening. And again, I know you listen. I know you hear podcast host say this all the time. And it's usually the part at the end of the episode where it's easy to let this just kind of go one ear in one ear and out the other. But please, there's a reason why you hear us borderline pleading with you, like leave a, leave a rating, leave a review. And the reason why is because it's what helps these podcasts get discovered based on different platforms and how all the algorithm works and even social media clips. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it, rate it, review it. It only takes about 60 seconds. If you're following along on socials over on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook and you see us post a clip from this conversation and you appreciate that, it goes a long way to just hit that little share button and not just share it as a piece of content, but to share it with your own thought of, could be as simple as, hey, I've been listening to this new podcast called The Wow Level Life, and here's a clip from it. You should go check it out, and then giving people uh, some instructions on where to find it. Those things don't take a lot of time, but they don't just mean the world to us. Part of the reason it means so much to us is because it's helping us take this subject matter that we're so passionate about because we've seen it transform our lives and the lives of others. We want it to find a bigger audience. And so thank you to those of you who have already done that. And thank you in advance to those of you who are willing to do that on the heels of this episode. So thank you for listening. And we will see you next week right here on the Wow Level Life podcast. Remember, the goal is to stir your imagination, to set your creative soul on fire, to get you excited about the opportunities that exist for you. Truly, just about anything is possible. Magic is available to you. But in the words of Roald Dahls, we said earlier, those who don't believe in magic will never find it, which means sometimes we just have to learn how to open our eyes. I hope this episode has done that for you. And if not, we'll continue working away at it as we all learn to live wild level lives together. Mm-hmm.